Welcome to Asian Film Express, a podcast where we talk about Asian and Asian American representation in films, or the lack thereof. I am Hannah Chan, and today will be a different episode. Instead of going into one or two films, I want to directly go into the Asian stereotypes that are geared towards men. This is part two of two focusing on stereotypes of Asian characters. In my previous episode, I have discussed stereotypes of Asian and Asian American women in film. I have touched on this slightly in my first episode, but I will go more in depth here. We will go into several films and specifically the white savior trope in recent movies. Let's get into it. The reason why this episode is so different than my other ones is because when I was planning the last episode, on Memoirs of a Geisha and The Handmaiden, I knew I wanted to make an episode that is focused on Asian men to accompany it. However, what I did not expect to face is the fact that there is a ridiculous small amount of Asian male lead movies. This revelation shocked me. I started thinking back on all of the movies that I have seen, and I can't immediately tell you on the top of my head a movie that has a male Asian lead that does not involve a large Asian cast. Please let me know if you thought of any because I talked to my friends, classmates, and family members. They have a similar reaction as me. However, I have realized in my conversation that there is an awful amount of side characters in movies that are Asian. And they're kind of the same. Therefore, I have decided, instead of going into a film or two, I will talk about these side characters. Just a little refresher, in our first episode, I have talked about how many Asian and Asian American stereotypes are gendered. Asian and Asian American men are depicted as sexually inadequate and effeminate figures that are unable to attract women. They are often depicted as criminals, who are lustful, vicious, immoral, and murderous. This negative representation enhances the white patriarchal hegemony. While Asian men are portrayed as rapists, white males provide the necessary romantic conditions and masculine attributes. Hollywood's perception of Asian seem to have been derived directly from the 19th century view of Chinese as a subhuman species suitable for building levees, laying railroad track, doing laundry, or being dangled from the trees by their traditional pigtails. Two stereotypical figures of Asian men in film is Fu Manchu and Charlie Chan. Both are almost always played by Caucasian actors in yellow face. Fu Manchu made his debut in The Mysterious Dr. Fu Manchu, directed by Roland V. Lee and released in 1929. This character was played by Swedish-American actor Warner Oland in the first three of the film series. Fu Manchu is the personification of Yellow Peril. The racists fear that Asians, specifically East Asians, are a threat to Western culture and society. This can be seen by the villainous nature of the character and the actions performed by the character in the films. Charlie Chan is a Chinese-American detective played by white actors Warner Oland, Sidney Toller, and Roland Winters. Although Charlie Chan was created as an alternative to the Yellow Peril stereotypes like Fu Manchu, it created another stereotype on its own. 
Charlie Chan is benevolent and more heroic, but not very masculine. This reinforced the condescending stereotype that Asian men are incapable of speaking idiomatic English and have a traditional bound and subservient nature. Although Charlie Chan is intelligent and wise, outsmarting the police, these positive traits are attributed to the white actor, while the accent and fox eye are projected to the Asian character. Even though Asian male representation is not as negative anymore, some of these stereotypes still perpetuate today in a subtler way. Asian men are still pushed to the sidelines as supporting actors, rarely the main character. A notable example of heavily stereotyped Asian character is Long Duk Dong, played by Giri Watanabe from the film Sixteen Candles, directed by John Hughes and released in 1984. Here is a compilation of the character in the film. What's happening, hot stuff? Very clever dinner. Appetizing food fitting neatly into interesting uh, round pie. It's a quiche. Hmm. How do you spell? Well, you don't spell it, son. You eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you for uh, loaning me the donger. He's really bitching. <laughs> That's okay. You guys make a great couple. <laughs> I've never been so happy in my whole life. <laughs> you maniac! <laughs> Now I have a place to put my hand. Open the door. No way, Jose. Open the door. You beat up my face. You grabbed my nuts. Sixteen Candles is one of the classic coming-of-age films in America. However, it does show one of the most harmful representation of Asian characters in film. In the movie, Long Duk Dong is an Asian foreign exchange student who stays with the grandparents of Samantha, the protagonist played by Molly Ringwald. Every time he appears, a gong sound effect is accompanied. His physical appearance consists his hair parted down in the middle as an uncool style. He practices his imperfect conversational English with others, calling himself the donger, and is mystified by Asian cuisine. He also finds a love interest in the film, an athletic young woman with large breasts who is physically larger than him. Reflecting on the history of Asian male representation, not only is Long Duk Dong not attractive, he is also portrayed as sex crazed. He represents one of the most offensive stereotypes of Asian in Hollywood. It is a caricature and grotesque stereotype. It is not specified where Long Duk Dong is actually from. He is simply seen as Asian, generalizing an entire race. Having his love interest be physically larger than him switched the gender role for their relationship. Although there is nothing wrong with that, the character is presented that way in order for the audience to laugh at Dong's femininity and the weakness that is implied behind that. 
The name Long Duck Dong and his nickname the Donger also poses as problems. This is exactly why Asian American kids are unwilling to use their birth name in school. Everyone's name has a meaning given by their parents. For one's name to be a laughing stock is truly saddening. His character embodies all of the worst stereotypes that one could imagine for Asians, and it is still praised for the comic relief that it brought for the film. The next character I want to talk about is Detective Inspector Lee, played by Jackie Chan from the Rush Please Hour sir. film series. Please, Please tell me you speak English. I'm Detective Carter. Do you speak any English? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I cannot believe this shit. First I get a bullshit assignment, then Mr. Ricerone. Don't even speak American. Drop your guns. Hey man, look, FBI. Uh, I'm policeman. I'm just showing him how to take a gun from a suspect. All of a sudden, you speak in English now, huh? A little. A little my ass, you lied to me. I didn't say I didn't. You assume I didn't. Assume I kick your little Beijing ass right now, man. I ain't scared of you. I know you know that little tricky shit. Come on. I'm not responsible for your assumption. Personally, I love this film series. It is one of my favorite. And I think it has more merits than flaws. With the idea of putting Jackie Chan in the movie, not as a co-star or sidekick, but has an equal footing with an American star. This film is also one of the more successful Hollywood films with an Asian and black actor as the lead. However, the film heavily depends on the martial art tropes with Detective Inspector Lee. He doesn't speak good English, but I want to remind everyone that Jackie Chan does not know any English before this film and slowly learn how to speak it as he was filming, thus the hilarious blooper at the end of each Rush Hour film. He is a respectful but ignorant kung fu master with no interest in women and sex. From this character, we see the conflicting stereotypes of the kung fu master and effeminate man. He is desirable from his skills, but doesn't know how to interact with women. From Lee, we see shadows of Charlie Chan. Cheese! <laughs> Cheese! What? <laughs> freeze! A freeze! As soon as she could blink, the seafood surface, seafood. Secret service. As soon as she could blink, the seafood surface. Secret service. The seafood. Secret. Not seafood. I know seafood. I know secret. 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 Secret, see? But when everything together becomes seafood. <laughs> the next thing I want to touch on for this episode is the white savior trope. I realized this when I was brainstorming for this episode. I couldn't find a lot of movies with Asian leads, but I can find a lot of movies set in Asia with a dominant Asian cast, but a Caucasian lead. Hmm? What's up with that? The examples I want to bring up is The Last Samurai, directed by Edward Zwick and released in 2003. 47 Ronin, directed by Carl Rinch and released in 2013. 
and The Great Wall, directed by Zhang Yimou, and released in 2016. A little synopsis for each film. The Last Samurai, Captain Nathan Algren, played by Tom Cruise, is an American military officer hired by the Emperor of Japan to train the country's first army in the art of modern warfare. As the government attempts to eradicate the ancient samurai warrior class in preparation for more westernized and trade-friendly policies, Algren finds himself unexpectedly affected by his encounters with the samurai, which places him at the center of the struggle between two eras and two worlds. This is Katsumoto's sword. He would have wanted you to have it. Let the strength of the samurai be with you always. He hoped with his last breath that you would remember the ancestors who held this sword. 47 Ronin In feudal Japan, Lord Asano rules his province with fairness. However, jealous Lord Kira fears that the shogun favors Asano over him and hatches a plan that ends with Asano's ritual suicide. After Asano's death, his samurai, led by Oishi, are forced to live as outcasts. Oishi wonder for several years but realize that he must turn to Kai, played by Keanu Reeves, a mixed-blood warrior he once rejected, to help him and his ronin comrades take revenge on Lord Kira. My father told me this world was only a preparation for the next. All we can ask is that we leave it, having loved, and being loved. I will search for you through a thousand worlds, and ten thousand lifetimes until I find you. The Great Wall When a mercenary warrior played by Matt Damon is imprisoned within the Great Wall, he discovers the mystery behind one of the greatest wonders of the world. As wave after wave of marauding beasts besiege the massive structure, his quest for fortune turns into a journey toward heroism as he joins a huge army of elite warriors to confront the unimaginable and seemingly unstoppable force. So, how's life without me? A little slow. You're a hero after all. Well, it looks that way. You seem pleased with yourself. And what are they giving you for all of your troubles? A bag of gold. A victory parade along the top of the wall. All the black powder I can carry. And a cavalry escort to get me home safely. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Although these three films have very different plots, they have one significant similarity. A white actor arrives in a predominant Asian population, solves the problem, and becomes a savior in the film. This trope is a very popular one, existing in an array of genres of film in American cinema. The white savior narrative in film is characterized by a white protagonist portrayed as a messianic figure who often learns something about him or herself in the course of rescuing non-white characters from their plight. The white savior is also often portrayed as a man who is out of place within his own society, until he assumes the burden of racial leadership to rescue non-white minorities and foreigners from their suffering.
This trope perpetuates the white patriarchal hegemony and the racist myth that only white men can save the world. This myth is far from facts. A white man doesn't just arrive in a city or country in need and miraculously saves it. When have you seen that happen in real life? I understand Hollywood's habit of casting a white actor who is already well known to be the lead actor. Tom Cruise, Keanu Reeves, and Matt Damon from the three films that I talked about just now are all very famous. They have a certain popularity and power to lure the audience into watching the film. I'm getting, I'm getting ghosts in the shell flashbacks. <laughs> but this narrative is harmful. The white actor is needed in the first place to garner more audience to walk into the theaters to watch the movies. But this is exactly why there are so little Asian male lead movies. Hollywood is not willing to take the risk of casting Asian actors. Not only is this narrative illusional, it presents the world that only white people can save the world. The minorities can only suffer until a white person decides to come save them. We can save ourselves. There are many movies that falls under the white savior complex. 12 Years a Slave, Avatar, The Blind Side, Cloud Atlas, Django Unchained, Elysium, The Greatest Showman, The Help, The Matrix, and To Kill a Mockingbird, just to name a few. I am not saying cancel movies with predominantly white actors, but I am stressing the importance of having a diverse cast that reflects the real world, specifically the main characters. Movies are a way for people to look at the world, especially for those who haven't even left their home country once. We have been seeing the same story over and over again. It is time for the voice of minorities to be heard and the stories of minorities to be seen. I want to conclude a little for this episode and the last, focusing on Asian and Asian American stereotypes. It is quite interesting to see that Asian women are hypersexualized, while Asian men are desexualized. I think these stereotypes speaks volume as to who these stereotypes and tropes are catered to, the ego of white men. Even though there have been successes with Asian representation in the film industry today, these stereotypes still exist and are used to push the plot of the film forward. This has an impact on the youth and how they will view the world. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote an amazing article for The Hollywood Reporter speaking about how Hollywood must do more to combat Asian stereotypes, and I want to summarize for you a little here. The real issue here isn't just adding more Asian American characters. It is about the kind of characters portrayed. Two important areas that are deliberately overlooked by Hollywood are Asian American as romantic leads and as heroic leads. Few series dare to have an Asian American man as the object of romantic desire, especially by a white woman. Fewer have Asian American women as leads prized for their intelligence and outspoken strength rather than their svelte figure and flirty smile. There are exceptions, with Warrior, Killing Eve, The Irregulars, Minari, 
The Farewell, Crazy Rich Asians, and others. But in general, portrayals of Asian Americans are often comic relief sidekicks. Monosyllabic martial art masters, homework loving nerds, or wizened ulsters with fortune cookie advices. We need a commitment to produce more varied portrayals of Asian Americans, but also more of stories told by Asian Americans working behind the cameras. The problem is when the industry produces and celebrates Minari, The Farewell, and Killing Eve, it likes to sit back and relax while congratulating itself. I will put the link of the article in the description, and I urge you to take a look and read it in its entirety. I sincerely look forward to the day when the film industry can cast Asian men and women as normal human beings without these tropes in their minds. And that's all we have today. Thank you for listening. Hope you will come back for future episodes for more Asian and Asian American discussions. If you want to become better allies for the Asian community, please consider helping monetarily, such as donating to Stop AAPI Hate and visit Anti Asian Violence Resources. I will put the links in the description. We can change the world one film at a time.